All right. Well, you have tuned in to the next episode in the Powell Butte Christian Church Sunday Sermon Series podcast. My name is Trey. I'm the uh, lead pastor here at uh, Powell Butte Christian Church in Powell Butte, Oregon. Uh, we have services streaming at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday mornings. And uh, then we are actually meeting in person as well at 8.30, 10.30, and 11.30. And so if you're here in this podcast and you're in our area, we would love to have you drop in and see us and, and tell us that you've been listening. Uh, we've been going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount found in uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And uh, this is basically Jesus' treatise on the the upside-down kingdom that God has called disciples into. And, and it's been a, a great study, and we're kind of turning towards third and rounding towards home. Um, but we've been in these little smaller sub-series as, as we're doing that, and, and we've been looking at finances in these last few weeks, and uh, we're getting ready to, to wrap that up. As we begin today, uh, there's a, a story I wanted to share with you. There was a preacher in a black church who was trying to get his people to be more enthusiastic about their church. And so, you, you know, in his own style, he gets up there and he starts to rally the crowd. He says, you know, if this church is going to get anywhere, it has to learn to crawl. And the people said, let it crawl, Reverend, let it crawl. And then he said, and after it learns to crawl, this, this church has to learn to walk. And the people said, oh, let it walk, Reverend, let it walk. And then the preacher got excited, and he said, and then after this church learns to walk, this church has got to learn to run. And the people shouted back, well, let it run, Reverend, let it run. And then he says, and if this church is going to run, God's going to take us places, and it's going to take you giving money and resources. And the people said, let it crawl, Rev, let it crawl. Yeah, that's an old joke that uh, Flip Wilson uh, told back in the 70s. I, I laugh, and yet I'm also, my, my heart is saddened because I know some people hear that, and that's exactly what their response is when they hear churches talking about money. And you say, man, I, I've tuned into your podcast for three weeks now, and this is the fourth Sunday in a row. This is the fourth podcast in a row. And I'd say, well, yes. Yes, it is. I'm glad you're paying attention. You see, I, I want to give you a different slant today. Because we've talked about a lot of different things about resources. We, we, we've talked about how everything is the Lord's. He's the owner. And we get to serve Him as His managers. He gives us resources for us to manage. And we talked about being ungrateful and discontent with what He has given us so that we are driven to put ourselves into debt. And then we kind of strap ourselves. We're in a prison type of reality where we can't give as freely as we would like to. We can't be as generous as we would like to. Our heart is in the right place, but we look at how we have mismanaged things and we realize we can't be as free as God wants us to be. Uh, and, and that's all because we've paid no attention to the biblical principles of managing the resources that the owner, who is God, has given to us. And then last week we actually talked about reordering our priorities in God's upside-down kingdom, flipping the list we talked about. But today I'm going to talk to you about all of your extra money that you have laying around. <coughs> to which you might, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> excuse me. To which you might say, extra? Uh, Pastor Trey, I think, I think you're talking to the wrong people. 
I don't have any extra. So if you don't think that you have extra, before I actually get into the sermon, I want to present a case to you that shows you that you really do have extra. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. That's not, that's not my intent today. It's about, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, changing your awareness. My case is going to include the fact that what you do with your extra is actually an indication of something that you believe, which you may not know that you believe, but you do believe it, and, and Jesus talks about that fact right here in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the fact that I, I have to actually present a case uh, saying that you have extra indicates to me that a lot of people out there don't think that they do have extra. Uh, they have lived in such a way that when they look at their bank statement, when they look at their checkbook, when they look at their debit card account, when they get to the end of the month, there always seems to be less money and way more month. And then they feel like they have no other alternative but to go into deeper debt. And because of that, they then realize that, hey, I can't be as generous as I would like to be because I just can't see how I can possibly give anything more. You can't get blood out of a turnip, so to speak. But if you've been doing your homework these last few weeks, then you may have found that actually a, a lot of your extra that you don't think that you have, well, it was there, but you consumed it. You, you consumed it before you realized that it was extra. But you consumed it not on things that you needed. You consumed it on things that were not necessary. For example, you, you might be part of the Dutch Mafia. You know, up here in Oregon, we have Dutch Brothers, a, a, a drive through coffee shop, which is very, very dangerous for those who need, quote-unquote, their morning coffee. But, but I tell you, if, if you go to Starbucks or Dutch Brothers on a regular basis, you're actually spending money that you really if you're honest with yourself, you don't need to spend that money. And I don't want to pick on the, the Dutch brothers crowd or, or any coffee drinker, really. It's the fast food and eating out crowd as well. Or it's the household that subscribes to the satellite package with over 240 channels, though they really only watch in reality about eight or 10 of those channels. See, those are all things that we, in our culture, we consume. Those are examples of things that we consume, but we don't really need. I don't, you know, you don't need coffee. You don't need to eat out. You don't need to have 240 channels, 230 of which you don't even watch. So when you spend money on those things, you are taking what could have been extra and you've consumed them, so now you don't have extra. Now, two weeks ago, we, we, uh, we talked about 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul says, listen, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. In other words, there are certain things that we do need. Uh, shelter, sustenance, you know, we, we need food, we need clothing, we need a roof over our heads. And if Paul says if we have that, that's all we need anything more that God gives to us, and He does give us more than that, that is blessing. That is bonus. That is extra. And by the way, again, just so you don't think that I'm just picking on you guys, I used the, the examples of coffee and uh, eating out and having extra uh, satellite channels as an example because 
I've just described myself, okay? That those are things that I spend money on that I don't need to be spending money on. So I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm not trying to throw people under the bus. I'm, I'm just making a point, and I'm being honest about that point. In order for us to get healthy in our financial situation, if we want to actually be uh, good stewards of the resources that the owner has given to us, then we must be honest about the ways that we have mismanaged that money, that resource, those resources. Because bottom line is, after I've paid my bills, after I've put food on my table, after I've made sure that I've taken care of my family's needs by putting a roof over their head and clothes on their body, then what the Bible is telling me is that anything else that God gives to me is bonus. It's a blessing. It's extra. We are blessed in this country, by the way. Were you aware that one billion people in this world live on just one dollar a day? More than half of the world lives on just $10 a day. Do you realize I go through this thing called a refrigerator, and I'm actually throwing away food that I did not eat so that I can make room in my refrigerator for the new food that my wife just bought. And 800 million people in this world will not eat today. 300 million of those people are kids. Unlike a billion people in the world who do not have clear, clean drinking water and they get sick from the, the water that they do drink, I know people who, who actually they, they do not want to drink the water that literally comes into their house gushing from pipes so conveniently. Through that, though the water that, they, that comes into their pipes may taste a little bad, it's clean. And yet they'll go and pay 2 or $3 dollars for a bottle of water. There are times where people will go to their closet full of clothes and step back and literally say, I have absolutely, what, nothing to wear. And while millions of people don't have shelter for their own families, for their own selves, we actually in this country have houses for our cars. Here's the bottom line again. If you have a cell phone or a car or if you go to Starbucks or you go to the movies or you live in your own home or you have a lawn that you have to maintain, then don't you have a little extra, really? Don't you have a little extra than what you really need? You, you see, by the world standards, America is a rich, blessed country, okay? If you compare the, the median annual income in America with any other country in the world, it's crazy. You know, we prayed, God, bless America. And guess what? He did. He did. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. In fact, you shouldn't feel guilty because you didn't choose to be born in America. I mean, it wasn't like you were in line up there with a lot of other pre-born babies and you pushed a kid out of line so that you could make your way down to Oregon or to Texas or to Idaho. And, and that kid, well, he, he had to go live in Afghanistan. <laughs> but God put you here. So you don't have to feel guilty. God chose where you were going to be born and the time that you were going to be born in. So you don't feel guilty for living in America, you don't feel guilty for having those blessings, but you got to know that they are blessings. You are blessed, and you have more than you need. So if it was a headline, I'd say, extra, extra, read all about it, extra, extra, you've got 
extra. So what am I supposed to do as a disciple living in God's upside-down kingdom when I realize that I do have extra? Well, once I actually start living by the, the principles in Scripture and I, and I begin to readjust my spending and, and I take care of my debt and I don't go into further dumb debt, and as a result, I begin to see this extra coming up. Now, here's, here's my question. As a disciple, what am I supposed to do with that extra? A lot of times, people have misunderstood why they have been given extra. They think that it's for them. And the way that they answer the question is, what am I supposed to do with this extra? That will show what controls their heart. Now, I want to go to Luke chapter 12 today. So if you have your Bibles there listening to the podcast, Luke chapter 12, Jesus is telling a story, a parable, and he's making this whole point about what the extra is for. So we're in Luke chapter 12, and if uh, you're driving and listening to this, just uh, maybe make a mental note that uh, you're going to want to look this up after you're done. Starting in verse 13 of chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, it says, Somebody in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So here's a family squabble over guess what? Yeah, yeah, money. Uh, seems like things don't change, do they? One guy's upset that his brother won't share the inheritance. And Jesus says, wow, this is a great occasion to talk about the core issue. The core issue, uh, and whether you think this is fair or not, the core issue is that the brothers were concerned about money. One didn't want to share the money, and the other one was upset that he wasn't getting his fair share. They were both focused on money, which is funny because I, I wonder, I mean, they're, they're, they're so worried about the inheritance, I wonder if they ever worried about their father's care or connecting with their father before he died as much as they were focused in on the money. Anyway, Jesus give us, gives us his first major point in verse 15 where he says, listen, here, here's the point. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's exactly what these brothers had done. They had reduced their father's life to the abundance of possessions. They, they, were, they were reducing their own lives to what they could have, what they could get, the abundance of their possessions. Jesus is reminding the people that their value is not in what they have or in what they don't have. That's the way that the world establishes value. So many people believe that. There's the, so there's this discontentment that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that pushes people to want more and, and bigger and faster. And if they're not able to get the newest and the latest, here's the lie that they buy into. They have convinced themselves, or the devil has convinced them, that they, because they don't have those things, they're not valuable. They're not as valuable as those people who do have all of those things. But church, that's not the case. You, you need to know this. Your value comes from something much more lasting than anything that the world can produce because the world and all of its passions will pass away. 
Your value lies in something much more lasting. Jesus, to prove that point, is actually, he goes into the story about a rich man whose ground produced a good crop. Uh, We continue on reading in verse 16. He says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, Well, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. Now, I want to stop there because he just said he has no place to store his crops. But then he talks about having barns. And that's a plural, by the way. He's got a lot of barns, at least at least two. And so does he actually have a place to store his crops? Yes. Now, he might not have a place to store all of the crops because it was a good crop. Anyways, he says, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns, and then I'm going to build bigger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods And then I'll say to myself, oh, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Again, the harvest was so great that it filled the man's barns, okay? He had done well for himself. He was able to store away an abundance of crops for himself and his family and all of his workers, that's what barns do. They, they hold enough for the year until next harvest. And then you fill your barn again if you have a good crop. And then you, you use that for the next year. Then you go back out to harvest and you fill up your barn again. That's what barns are for, I am told. But after his barns were filled, he realized that he actually had more, more than he needed. He had all that he needed, all that was going to feed his family and his workers And his barns could not hold all that extra. So he made this interesting decision that he was going to tear down the old barns and build bigger barns so now he could store it all for himself and live on for many, many, many years for the rest of his life. And by the way, how true that's going to be. See, God had provided. He had provided. The barns had been filled. He was going to be taken care of for this year until next harvest. He could feed his family and pay his workers. God blessed him then with extra. What, what, what a gift that God gives to this man. An opportunity to be generous. But he thought, in his mind, the man thought that the extra was for him. And, and, and God says, listen, in verse 20, he says, You fool." You fool. Now, in Jesus' time, as soon as Jesus said, uh, God said to him, you fool, they would have been very shocked because in their theology, they thought that if you had uh, way more than you needed, that God was saying, oh, I love you. Man, you're the greatest guy in the world. But no, Jesus says, no, no, God's going to look at him and call him a fool. Why? Is he a fool because he's rich? No. Is he a fool because he... Was able to reap a great harvest? No. What does God say next there in verse 20? This very night, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? See, the man was a fool because he was so short-sighted that he had no clue. Even though he had the Scriptures, he knew God's heart. He had no clue why God had given him extra. He thought it was for him. And because he thought it was for him, 
he had no idea that he wasn't even going to use it because he wasn't even going to make it to the next day. And so he missed an opportunity. He missed an opportunity to use the resources, the extra that God gave him in order to bless somebody else or to take care of needs of other people. He missed an opportunity. How often do we miss opportunities because we are so so focused on the future that we don't see what's right there in front of us, an opportunity to do something good and lasting in God's kingdom right now? You, you see, we're all going to run out of time before we run out of money, just like this guy. And, and we're good at securing our future. And there's no, there, there's no, there's no problem in um, in planning for your future. But but you've got to plan for your future with God's will in mind. You see, the final point that Jesus says in verse twenty one is, "This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards." God. You, you see, he doesn't say store up things for yourself and don't be rich towards God. He doesn't say don't store up things for yourself, but be rich towards God. He says, listen, you can store up things for yourself, but you need to remember to be rich towards God as well. And he says, this is how it will be when those people store up things for themselves, but they don't, they're not rich towards God. This is how it will be. Well, what is the this that Jesus is speaking of? Total loss, right? Everything left behind. You leave your money when you die. Now, again, the point is not to neglect your future. But as you are planning for your future, you cannot forget what the Bible teaches, that you must bring God into even your plans for the future. James 4 says, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go into this or that city, and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He reminds them, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, James says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. You see, it's, it's not bad to plan for your future, but you always got to be planning your future with God's will in mind and His kingdom in mind. And, and so the point is, is don't, it's not don't plan for your future. It's about that if you are going to live in God's upside-down kingdom, you always have to be thinking about what it means to be rich towards God. He wants you to do both. He wants you to save up for yourself, but He also wants you to be rich towards God and His kingdom. Now, why does God need you to be rich towards Him? I mean, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So why does He need you to be rich towards Him? Well, may, maybe it doesn't mean that He needs your money. Maybe it means something else. You know, a lot of people who reject the notion of God, their argument is that there's so much poverty and suffering in this world that if God exists, why isn't He doing anything about it? They say, if there's a God, why is there suffering? Why, why are there so many people dying of hunger and disease? And then, then they pull this one. <laughs> Have you ever heard this where they say, well, if God were all-powerful and all-good, then He would do something about the suffering and the, the hunger in this world. So He must either not be all-powerful or He must not be all-good. And I'd say, you fool. <laughs> the way God works in this world, the way that He has chosen to work in this world is through people. 
God's intent all along has been that His people would live such godly lives that when they see the suffering and the poverty and the starvation in this world, they would do something about it. That's how God works in this world, folks. His plan is to work through you and me. He is all-powerful, and He is all-good, but He's also all-knowing and all-wise. And He knows that when we act on His behalf, when we become His hands and feet, when we take care of the needs that we see in this world, when we, bec- when we do that, we become more like Him because He put on the towel to serve and called us to do the same. So here's where the rubber meets the road for the disciple of Jesus living in God's upside-down kingdom. Now, you knew that there had to be some kind of application, right? Well, here's, here's the point, and here's the challenge. Are you willing to, as a disciple of Jesus, are you willing to, in this year, in 2021, begin to make steps, first of all, towards finding the extra in your budget? See, that's the critical first step. Are you willing, first of all, to begin to live by the principles found in Scripture, to flip the list, to be content with what you have, to not go into dumb debt? Are you willing to take that critical first step? And then, as you begin to see that extra come in, are you willing to take a step out in faith and to begin to pray that God would direct you and help you begin to use that extra for His kingdom instead of your kingdom or in addition to what you spend on your kingdom. Now, if this is something new to you, I want to make it easier because people have found that they are able to break free from the power of the material world a whole lot easier if they think about their their giving in terms not of an amount but of a a percentage, a, a percent of what they would bring in each year to give that away. That's how God taught His people in the Old Testament. Uh, he says, you know, when, when He says, I want you to tithe, He told everybody that He wanted them to tithe. So if you think about it, not everybody gave the, the equal amount, did they? But they all made the, the same sacrifice. It's not equal amount. It's equal sacrifice. So you give 10%. Then if you made $50,000, you'd give 10%. If you made $100,000, you'd give 10%. If you only made $10,000, you would give 10%. Not equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. A friend of mine in ministry, a mentor of mine actually, he had been a senior pastor at a church, and he had talked to the leadership of the church, and he said, listen, I, I want us to structure the pay of the staff in this way, that I'll get paid a certain amount, and then everybody else will get a percentage of what I make. Therefore, when his salary went up, when he got a raise, everybody got a raise because they were making 90% of what he was making or 85% of what he was making or 95% of what he was making. If his income went up, everybody else's did. So in the same way, when God institutes the tithe, he says, listen, if your income goes up, great. If you're thinking in percentages, then you're able to increase your giving. But if you hit hard times and your income has to take a hit, then percentage giving helps well, helps reduce the amount that you are to give. See, I, I think that's the brilliance of God's plan of the percentage. It's much easier. And if you keep in mind what we talked about last week about first fruits, the idea of giving the first percentage, 
to the Lord, the, let's say the first 10% to the Lord, uh, that's going to force you to rethink your lifestyle and it's going to help you make wiser financial choices. And if you live by the 10-10-80 principle, you give away 10% and you uh, save 10%, then it's really going to make you rethink your lifestyle and make you make wiser, even more wise choices when it comes to the resources that you have. I heard a story about an ambitious young man who told his pastor he was going to tithe his income. He's promising God he's going to tithe his income. And so they prayed for God to bless his career. At that time, the young man was making $40 a week. I guess this was a long time ago. And so he was tithing every week for $4. And God began to bless him. And in a few years, that income increased more and more. And he was tithing $500 per week because he was making $5,000 per week. So he was tithing $500 per week. So he called the pastor and he says, you know what, this is getting kind of costly now, giving away $500 per week. Uh, can I be released from my, my promise? The pastor says, well, no, um, you made a promise to God. And I don't see how you can be released from that. But I, I'll tell you this. We can ask God to reduce your income back down to $40 a week because you had no problem tithing $4. Ouch. Ouch. You have to discipline yourself. And if you can give $4 out of 40 then you should be able to give $500 out of 5000 See, I think most of us would rather find ways of being wiser with the increase then let it go all the way back to, down to what we thought was manageable. Now, again, is this tray after your money? Nope. Because if you don't want to start with a tithe, pick a percentage. Pick a percentage, and he, here's the challenge. And for the next 12 months, whether it's 10% or 15% or 2% or 7%, whatever it is, pick a percentage. Decide ahead of time that for the next 12 months, you're going to discipline your spending. You're going to discipline your paying off your debts. And you're going to discipline the management of the full 100% that God has provided to you. And dedicate that percentage to the Lord. And then see if God doesn't free you from the anxieties of money or the greed for more. This will begin to open your eyes to what Jesus meant by being rich towards God. How, you might ask? How will this clue me in on what being rich towards God means? Well, because of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, you begin to put your resources into God's kingdom, and you will begin to care about what's happening in the kingdom. You're going to want a good return on your investment. You're going to be checking in on the ministries of the church not, not to, to check that they're uh, managing the money right, but you're, you want to know what they're doing. You're going to get excited about what they're doing. You might plan to go overseas to Uganda to see the work that's being done there. You will desire to see more people come to Christ, being pulled out of the darkness and into eternal life. You know, a few years back, a church in Texas had a tithing demonstration Sunday for its congregants. On one designated Sunday, everybody was asked to give a tithe of just one week's salary. They urged everybody, whether they were regular givers or not, to give a tithe, just that one time, just this one Sunday, 
one Sunday, whatever you made that week, bring a tenth into the storehouse. Well, if you could imagine, as you can imagine, the offering that Sunday was the largest that was ever given in that church. In fact, it was six times the usual offering. The aftermath was even more exciting than that, folks, because many who had never tithed before, they saw the power of God in this, and th they changed their atti attitude. They said, you know what? If we could do it once, we can do it again. And so they did. And by the end of that year, giving was up almost three times what it had been before that tithing demonstration Sunday happened. The excitement of that kind of giving is what it means to be rich towards God, folks. Giving your extra or a portion of your extra to God's kingdom frees you from the anxiety of having to have more. In fact, this blessing is spelled out clearly by Jesus in the last part of chapter 6 of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, starting in verse 25, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is just thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, Well, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. What are those things? Those are the things that you need. And then sometimes there's a little bit extra. The Bible says to those who have been faithful in little, they will be given more. Why? To get rich, like the prosperity preachers say? No, sir. No, sir. It's to reap the blessings of being a blessing to other people. Jesus said a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Do you believe that? If you do, then I, again, ask you to take that challenge on, to pick a percentage. With God's direction, pray about it. Say, God, where can I start? Do I start with 10%? Do I start with a little less? Do I start with more? And I promise you, the Bible promises you, God promises you that you will find blessing in being able to not use it for all for yourself, but to share with others who don't have as much or to invest in the eternal and all in all of those things to be rich towards God. Now, how can you do all of this? Now, there are those out there who have been convinced, but they don't know where to start. I would, I would encourage you, if you would like to take part 
soon. Right? We don't know exactly when this is going to happen. But if you'd like to take part in um, in something that we partner with, we partner with Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and we have folks here in this church who are willing to facilitate that study. It's it's a 15-week study, 15 weeks, one time a week, um, a few hours out of your week for 15 weeks. Is that worth being able to be given the tools and the accountability to get out of debt, to, to find a better way of managing your resources, and then to find the extra? If so, please let us know that you would be interested in that. You can actually email us at the church at pbcc at palbuttechurch.com and say, I heard on the podcast that you might be doing Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I'm interested. And give us a way of getting a, a hold of you, either by phone or by email. Give us your name, and we would love to reach out to you. We have folks who have been money managers at our church, and they would love to teach people how to reorder their lives, their financial lives, in order to find financial freedom. But all of those resources that we have here are not going to amount to a hill of beans if you're not willing to take the first step. So prayerfully consider joining others who are finding help and health. And I want to pray God's strength and wisdom and guidance for all who are ready to confess that this is something they need to have help with right now. As we finish up this four-week series, I, w I just want to pray with you right now. Father God, there are people who are listening to this podcast who have gotten themselves into trouble. People who are so willing to be generous. Their heart is there to, to give. And yet, Lord, they don't see how they can. So, Lord, I would pray that you would help them find wisdom in reordering their lives, reordering their priorities, putting you first. And then, Lord, I would pray that you would bless them as you have promised to so that they would find extra. And then, Lord, I would pray that you'd give them wisdom to know what that extra is for. And that, Lord, all of those things that we look at in this world that need your help or that we would understand that you will help by using your people. And, Lord, if you've put it on our hearts, maybe you're telling us that we need to be involved. So thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be a blessing to other people through the extra that you've given to us. May we be good managers of the whole 100%, not just the 10% that we give away, not just the 80% that we live on, but, Lord, that we would actually have the, 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 um, the margin as we look at the things that we have, that we could go and give and do the things that you have called us to do because we have become healthy in this area of our life. Thank you so much for giving us this piece of advice and, and, and these commands uh, by which we can live so that we might honor you with all of the things that you have given to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening to this a little bit longer podcast. Um, I, I do want to thank again my crew, uh, my executive producer, Lisa Welly, and, and uh, Steve Pittman for uh, making sure all of our sound equipment and everything is up and running um, and for streaming the services on Sunday morning so that people can connect. Um, I, I'm just grateful that we have a, an opportunity to reach out to people beyond our church. And, and if you are being blessed, I, I praise God for that. If you ever want to just write us a note and say thank you for your ministry, I'm listening to your podcast, and, and I'm learning, and I'm growing. That, that would be an amazing thing to, to hear. So anyways, God bless you, and uh, we will uh, have a next uh, podcast uh, next week.